Hello and welcome to the Dutch News Christmas Break Special. Before the summer we asked our listeners to send in all the questions they have about the Netherlands, about the Dutch language, about OPEF, anything was loud, uh, you send in a lot of questions and we recorded an Ask Us Anything episode that was first only available to the listeners who support us on Patreon, but now we release it to, you, to our other regular listeners as well in the Christmas break. This is not the only special episode you can expect from us. Um, on January 1st, we will release the OPEF of the Year special when we will discuss the 10 best OPEFs of 2020. That episode is already available for our patrons, so if you simply cannot wait to listen to it, then you can support us on patreon.com slash Dutch News NL, and you can enjoy all the ophef there was in 2020, and there was a lot. For now, enjoy this special episode. We wish you a very happy Christmas, and we will be back in 2021. We won't be putting out a podcast because we're going to be too busy, like, spiking our neighbors to keep them from eating the last <laughs> can of beans or something. I'll be bartering my children on the street. Exactly. <laughs> It's Friday, August 14th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast Patreon Special. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Dutch Movie Warner. And with me is uh, Gordon Derek, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and President of the Vert Grapperhaus Fan Club. And uh, who also joined us is Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Human Dog Chair. So, um, Molly, do you want to start? What... Uh, <laughs> I, don't, is, uh, I actually think that you've, uh, you've made a mistake, Paul, because why? the dog was not sitting on me in that photo. He was sitting on Niels. He was sitting on Niels? Yeah. Oh, so Niels okay, is the human okay, dog okay. chair. He, yeah. Oh, I not, thought it was you. No, it was oh. not me. But no, Truby is, I posted a photo on Twitter or Instagram, I don't remember where, uh, my dog was sitting on my boyfriend's feet in a position that had to be uncomfortable, but he's been sitting <laughs> like this. <laughs> he does this- for everyone for everyone involved, <laughs> everyone involved including, they, including people passing by it was for everyone it was uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Yeah. um but they'd been sitting like this for like 15 minutes sometimes truby just does this <laughs> he'll like just sit on your feet and then doesn't move and it's very strange but he's a weird dog what are you gonna do is this this is not just your boy uh, your boyfriend's way of uh, getting out of doing jobs around the house? So I can't do anything with dog sitting on my feet. <laughs> I mean, it is. We definitely use the the dog is on my lap excuse for not having to get up and do anything. I mean, that's I, I think all pet owners sort of uh, take advantage of this situation. So yes, I mean, I'm not surprised. But yeah, I, I was more weirded out that Truby was sitting in this weirdly uncomfortable position than I really was about. Neil sort of being uncomfortable, like it was. It's strange, but it's, yeah, he's a weird N dog. Because Neil's legs uh, were, were completely stressed out, and I assumed that his feet were upright. Or yeah, basically. So he was sort yeah. of sitting on it. We have a bench out front, so he was sitting on a bench out front with like his legs stretched completely out, and then his feet sort of just like you know crossed over top of each other, and the dog <laughs> just like came and sat on them and continued to do it for like ten or fifteen minutes. Uh, just, apparently, the angle that the feet with the legs made was very, uh, very comfortable. Maybe this is some sort of new modern chair thing. Yeah, it could be. It's like the Rietveld yeah. chair, but with a Dutch yeah. person <laughs> instead of a, <laughs> yeah. a Dutch designer. Somebody will now design a chair in that mold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For and probably charge yeah. 6,000 yeah. euros per chair. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Another episode in Dutch design. Yeah. yeah. So, this Gordon, you've been tweeting too much or mentioning too frequently um the dutch news's <laughs> podcast favorite bond villain politician uh for Nan Hopper house yeah what what is your weird obsession with his baldness and with, with his baldness no I, I just love the fact that whenever there's anything about uh an interview with Fred Hopper house in the papers or whatever online that they I don't, I don't know why but he seems to um uh encourage photographers to take pictures of him in really straight in, in really unusual poses like this one was with him just holding a like a bright pink umbrella. Yeah. There's been a few others of these, and there's another one I think where he actually did the umbrella folded up, but he was like stabby. He was having a I think he had a, he had a dual interview with his son in the Volkskrant, um last week. But it's weird. What, what's the name we, of the son? 
Uh, he's also called Fat Crapper House. <laughs> and his oh dad God. is also called Fat Crapper House and yeah. is a politician. So. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real dynasty. It's yeah, the Kim it dynasty of, uh, yeah. of Dutch politics. Yeah, it's a Crapper House dynasty. Uh, but the weird thing is, is he always has the, the same really stern, hard-faced expression in all these jo- jovial pictures. Yeah, he, he <laughs> only has a, one facial expression. Really quite, uh, he, he often uh, posts photos uh, like this on his Instagram page and yeah. then it wasn't done by a professional photographer it was just done by himself or someone who is uh, standing with him so he likes to make these weird photos uh, there's also <laughs> a famous photo of him posing with an enormous bag of ecstasy which yes. was just confiscated <laughs> by the police and, he, and he's looking at it like he is about to he, like he is he's uh, a huge fan of ecstasy like get, uh, get you a though, man that looks at you the way Ferd Krapahaus looks at a huge bag of ecstasy <laughs> exactly that was that was that was that was a meme of course yeah um, uh, but I uh, he, I think he once said that he is not a fan of ecstasy but he is a fan of confidence confiscating ecstasy so oh. that's why that explains his uh, his happy face on that photo yeah no, but it's, it's, it's very unusual to see him actually with a happy face on this is the whole thing it's, it, 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 it's <laughs> yeah, like looking exactly. at those no, whenever you see a picture of Fred Krapelow says it's like looking at you know Blofeld down at the play park or Blofeld eating an ice cream he still looks kind <laughs> yeah. of sinister and intimidating even when he's doing something really in- innocuous I didn't exactly. think that he could experience happiness as an emotion <laughs> <laughs> I was not I was not aware that he could do that uh, so Paul uh, yeah. you've been doing weird Dutch movie reviews. Are we revealing too much about the uh, upcoming questions for the for the for our Ask Us Anything? Yeah, because this is, of course, an Ask Us Anything episode. We ask you to send in uh, all the questions that you have on basically anything. We were going to answer them. We promised. Uh, and someone, um, I believe it was Kim. Kim Ferguson, know? yes. Kim Ferguson. Uh, she asked uh, a lot of questions, and we included a lot of them. We we're going to answer them, but we had to skip a few of them. And uh, in our discussion, which questions we're going to discuss, um, we uh, scrapped her question about Het Bombardement, which is a film, a Dutch film. Mm. Uh, and she asked um, if she should watch it or not. Um, and I have to say, uh, I, I never watch Dutch movies or Dutch series because I think Dutch acting is unbearable mm. um, but this time uh, Bombardement, it's a film about the bombing of Rotterdam in at the start of the Second World War uh, it came out and the reviews were just so bad I've never <laughs> seen uh, reviews that were so terrible and so devastating and everyone you talked to who saw it uh, agreed with it, they said it was a terrible film so out of Ramp Tourisme. I, uh, <laughs> I, I watched it, uh, and it is indeed the most awful film I have ever seen. Um, yeah. So, so you went to see a disaster movie as a Ramp Tourist, and it was a disaster. <laughs> and it was a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> it was worse than the actual bombing. Um, so, uh, I would advise Kim to uh, to watch it, but only from an irritainment point of view. Uh, so, watch it to um, yeah to see how bad it is and enjoy yeah. how bad it is, and not. Um, expect anything, yeah. uh, anything but maybe don't go and watch it actually in the cinema where you can't get out for two hours yeah, <laughs> no, yeah exactly. but your response to this so so in our whatsapp group Paul says basically this and Gordon's response is uh, yeah maybe I'm gonna have to watch it so I'm kind of also <laughs> concerned about you Gordon <laughs> well you know I might uh, if, if I ever get the time to, to, to clear a couple of hours to watch a movie then uh, yeah, that that could be on my list now that's gonna be your sh- movie out of sheer curiosity that's gonna be my that movie that is a yeah. choice and I'm gonna, but, that is a choice I'm gonna make my, I'm gonna actually hate myself for the rest of the week but but one of the reasons, the main reason why it is such a bad film, uh, the first reason is is that it's just a, a ripoff of Titanic, but instead of, you know, a ship hitting an iceberg, they chose uh, the bombing of a city uh, as the sort of background disaster, um, is that the, the leading role, um, uh, Jan Smit, the singer, has no! the leading role. Wait, and really? He, yeah, and he, he can't act. <laughs> And and oh, they ca- they they cast him even though they knew he didn't act. The 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 sort of the casting director uh, was looking for 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 an actor that was um, like Jan Smit, but they couldn't <laughs> find one. So in so instead they just called Jan Smit to ask if he, w- he wanted to do it, and he said yes. This and is, this that's is awful. why it is awful. So um, 
So yeah, go watch it and 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 uh, tell us how bad it is because yeah. we we want to know. We're going to watch it Weep for Humanity, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not watching this movie. Don't watch this movie. I don't know what these guys are talking about. This seems like a terrible idea. I, I Please spend your time like a, doing so, like literally. There's so many good movies out there. Go watch one yeah. of those. Listen, if 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 uh, if the, the if the patrons can club together and uh, donate an extra twenty five dollars, uh, one any one month in the rest of the year, Molly will have to sit down and watch this movie no that is entirely too long you're gonna need to charge more money (laughs) for for someone donating a hundred bucks i will watch this movie and i get the entirety of the hundred (laughs) bucks i just want to be clear about this (laughs) so um yeah let's uh crack on uh and uh, ask the questions that uh our listeners send in yeah, so we you could ask us about li- literally anything. We we abandoned our our uh, Drenthe campsite and uh, uh, set up our uh, blanket fortresses uh, and came back to answer them. So uh, hopefully there are good questions. Um, so question number one, Molly, why is Truby's food so expensive? It was sent in by an anonymous person. Uh, and anon- anonymously. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not that expensive. Um, your, your dog eats better than I do. This is true. He does. Uh, Truby eats a raw food diet, and so it's very expensive because he eats, like, 10 kilos of raw meat a week, basically. <laughs> um, and in the interest of him having a full and balanced meal, it's not just chicken every day. He eats a wide variety of food. I think this morning he had rabbit for breakfast. So, rabbit? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He also eats, you know, horse and mackerel and cow and pig and chicken wow. and uh, duck. Ostrich. And, yeah. Is this one of those things where the food has to come from one of only three licensed providers so they can just charge you whatever they feel like? I mean, oh. we... It's There's a few... There's a number of brands that actually are available for sale in the Netherlands. We get ours delivered by a guy um, who's missing several fingers and also delivers dog food to a lot of brothels which is an interesting situation <laughs> are those two uh, are those two things connected somehow i don't have any <laughs> idea <laughs> where did he lose his fingers I, i've never in asked whom did he lose his fingers was, was, was he chopping meat in a brothel at the time <laughs> no i i'm not asking these questions gordon um and it's yeah i mean it's not that I mean, my argument for feeding him this diet, which is what my previous dog also ate, is that there's a lot of commercially uh, prepared kibble that f- and food that are not really that nutritionally balanced and that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of health problems. He doesn't shed. He doesn't really smell. And most of this is because he's just eating like a super, super high quality diet. Um and so, yeah, and we make his, he eats meat and like some vegetables for like extra vitamins and stuff, but we kind of make the vegetables because it's not that hard. So that's what he, um, yeah, that's what right. he gets. So it's expensive and fiddly. It's expensive. It's fiddly. It. It's labor yeah. intensive. You have to keep it in the fridge. It takes up all of the storage in my freezer. <laughs> I'm starting to understand your mood uh, on yeah. Friday mornings now. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's living with a high maintenance dog. What are you going to do? Well, it always sounds delicious when you when you tell us, oh, um, 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 Truby is eating ostrich today or yeah. kangaroo mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm always very jealous because I want to eat that too. Yeah, he had, yeah. Uh, I think he had rabbit and strawberries this morning for breakfast. Strawberries. So he's, he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, then Carrie in The Hague, uh, she asked us, uh, since we're all staying home this summer, where is the best place to go in the Netherlands for a holiday? I mean, camping in Drenthe, right? Camping in Drenthe, obviously. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of thinking uh, I should say um, we're probably all going to mention our second favorite places, right? Because you don't want tourists yeah. flocking to your favorite place <laughs> in yeah, the Netherlands. Yeah, this is true. So, yeah, camp, camp, but camping in Drenthe is a big place. There's lots of uh, uh, nice spots to go camping. So, yeah, that, that would definitely be a tip for me. Um, where else? Also, um, I've seen a few uh, Dutch relatives of mine have, uh, gone, have gone to Gieton this year because suddenly Gieton has got a lot fewer of its regular tourists because a lot of them are from China and they're not traveling. Ah, oh, that's so, really smart, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. And it is actually quite nice and pretty when it's not absolutely bursting with, with, with tourists. Um, huh. And nothing against the Chinese Chinese in particular, but it just gets massively crowded most of the yeah. time. And, uh, it's I... it's nice so that it's a little quieter. There are a number of places in the Netherlands which are apparently 
world, yeah, famous all over the world, and it attracts a lot of international tourists. And I never had heard of it. Uh, and one of these places is Giethoorn, so that's the a little village. I think it's in Overijssel. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have any roads. It only has um, canals, which you would think would would uh, would be much more common in the Netherlands. But uh, Gieton is the only place where you which you can't reach by car. Mm-hmm. So it, it it attracts a lot of uh, tourists. And I never heard of it until a couple of years ago. So that mm-hmm. was kind of amazing to see that that, that that there are places that are famous all over the world. And I had never heard of it. Yeah. Kinderdijk, I I I knew about it. That's that's a, a famous place with. Uh, a lot of windmills. Um, uh, I had heard about it, but I also never realized that it was so famous all over the world. So I, I went there once and I saw... You basically see no Dutch ma- people uh, at all, no, only, only the true. people who are living there. Yeah. But, but I've never been to Giethoorn, so I, I uh, actually wanted to go sometimes. But yeah, the, the fact that it uh, attracts so many tourists is a little bit uh, of a downside. A bit um, of putting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was actually a good idea to go uh, during the lockdown, yeah. Uh, is there anywhere that, 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 did you recommend Polder, anywhere in Brabant or uh, uh, I always go to Zeeland because I, right. I like uh, Zoutelande Zoutelande, yes. yeah, that's, mm. that's, uh, that's <laughs> actually that's the place where we usually go uh, for a day on, on the beach, we go to Zoutelande so it yeah. was for, that, that's, that village is forever ruined by <laughs> Uh, the song <laughs> by Bluff. Bluff. Yeah. The best song that's ever been made in the Dutch language. No. No, yeah. it's, just it's, the, it's the it's the head bombardment of, of, uh, of Dutch <laughs> music. <laughs> and, and there's uh, a stiff competition there as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah indeed. Um, uh, yeah, we usually go there. Um, uh, it's it's an hour drive from where we live, so it's it's re- it's nearby. Uh, but we never stay in Zeeland because it's so close to our home. But I would recommend to go on holiday there. Just rent a house or go to one of the campsites. Uh, there is always a beach nearby. You can cycle mm. to it. Um, yeah, so that's my advice, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think at this time of year as well, uh, the Hockenfeluwe is um, is good because it's uh, it's woody and it's, there's lots of trees. So it's quite shady. So if it's uh, it's probably a good place to cool off in the heat if you're not going to the because obviously if you're trying to go to the beach right now it's just packed with people. I even went up no, to the that's beach not and... true. If you, as long as you avoid Sandford and Scheveningen, then mm. I mean the, the the beaches in 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 Zeeland are huge. Uh, yeah. You can basically park your bike anywhere and 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 cross the dike and uh, and sit on a on a on an em- practically empty beach. So mm. yeah, you can just uh, if you if you choose your beach strategically, then you can just sit in in in, in all quietness. I mean, okay. there are some people. It's not that it's abandoned, but it's not as packed as as horribly packed as Scheveningen and Zandvoort. Yeah. yeah. I think my advice would be to go to Leowarda for a weekend. I'm more of like a city trip person. I don't like to sit on the beach and I don't like to go camping. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, I'm not going to do these things. Um, I like, uh, I like Leowarda, I think is like a nice weekend away city. It has like quite nice food. Um, there's like some really cute museums. It's just sort of like a nice, very pleasant little town. Um, I think it's great for a weekend away. All right, my favorite question of this whole list, I think. <laughs> Gordon, a, a certain, uh, a certain uh, bureau chief from the AFP wants to know, yeah. what are the flavors of drop ranked? Well, this is really straightforward, actually. It's a really easy question. It's a <laughs> drop and everything else goes in the bin. That's it. That's the answer. Question four. I I agree too. Yeah. Could could one of you? I don't eat drop because all of it is disgusting. But could maybe one of you guys, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with advanced level drop, I think most people are familiar with the concept of it. Like talk about the different flavors and like sort of what they are. As far as I know, there's only really two flavors. There's salt and suit. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you have got some various varieties, but it's mostly more to do with shape, and you have things like um, Svartvitis as well, which are more, more kind of hard, harder, um, slightly crunchy drop, or yeah. um, and then, then you have sort of softer ones. So, yeah, so you have, you have, there's, a, there's degrees of hardness, and there's degrees of, um, and then you've got a choice of either salty ones or sweet ones. And you so have uh, uh, Yeah, and you have Engels drop as well, of course, which is uh, known in England as licorice all sorts. Ah. Um, so yeah. yeah, which is various different colours and slightly again more variety of flavours and textures as well. You've got the slightly aniseedy ones in there. 
But uh, yeah, I was saying in general, um, yeah, try and go for kind of low aniseed content, but that's just my personal taste. Um, and Zout is definitely um, wins out over Zout every time. But what's also important is the texture. So you have hard drop yeah. and you have soft drop, and that's yeah. also very important. That's I, true. I usually go for um, a munt drop, so that's in the in the shape of a little coin with, yeah. Um, yeah. Usually it has a value, so it's five cents or ten cents, something like that. Uh, I I usually go for that. I yeah, and that's quite I, a hard hard drop, isn't it? Yeah, I go, yeah, I go for those as well. The soft ones get stuck in your teeth. Yeah, yeah, and the hard ones too, but at least not as uh, yeah. not as much as the soft ones. Um, and whenever you open a bag, you have to uh, finish it uh, in one go. That's yeah. that's the rule. That is true. Yeah, that is law. Yeah. This is the most disgusting conversation we've ever had on this podcast. And I hate Danny, and he owes me three drinks for this. <laughs> At least you didn't have to rank them or, or uh, do a tasting test. There's not enough. There is no amount of money that you could, anyone could donate to the Patreon that would get me to eat drop. And so, so, you're, so you're going to sit in a movie theater watching her Bob Monument and eating drop. Right. I mean, this is this is some. I, is that the fourth circle of hell? Which one is this from downtime? I will just donate a bag of uh, of munt drop, and uh, that's the money I will donate for. I will I will donate one hundred euros in munt drop, and you can go yes. uh, and you can go watch head bombardment. No. Yeah. I would rather I would rather I don't know go to an Andre Hazes concert. <laughs> He's dead, I, so that's uh, <laughs> even. I would rather go to an Andre Haas's concert, an Andre Haas's zombie concert, than I would. So the next couple of questions are all obviously when we posted the request for questions, um, it was during the EU recovery budget debate. And so we got quite a few questions about that. Obviously, now it kind of feels like old news because that was a few weeks ago. But we had a question from Giuseppe who said, um, as an Italian expat, I've had the privilege, which he put in quotation marks, to follow the whole recovery fund negotiation from both the Dutch and the Italian press. Besides my personal opinion, I had the feeling that the main argument argument used by the Italian press to criticize the Dutch government, namely their impressive tax dumping policy, is seldom mentioned in the Dutch public debate, at least as far as I can tell. What is the level of awareness of the Dutch public on this issue, and what is the position of the major Dutch political parties, if any, on the matter? And then we had a second question. What is your take on the quote Frugal Five and the position of the Dutch during the EU corona negotiations? And then a question from Sophie. Sophia Bianchi. Uh, I am from Italy, and I've been living in Amsterdam for three years now. I don't have a lot of Dutch friends, so I'm not sure how normal Dutch people are seeing the Dutch behaving towards Italy during the Corona bailout discussions. Do the Dutch have something against Italians? There was also someone who asked, uh, why do we hate the Spaniards? Yeah, that's the next question. It's from David Mendez, who says, do you think Mark Rutte's behavior towards Spain is playing well with Dutch voters? So basically, why do the Dutch hate Southern Europe, Paul? (laughs) I don't think they hate it, but as always with the Dutch, as soon as we are going to talk about money, the whole attitude changes and it sort of people become a little bit more hostile. The same thing you see with the royal family, for example. Everybody loves them. Until we're going to talk about how much money they get. Yeah. Or their yachts or their villas. Or, or their yachts or their villas. Or and then everyone hates them. Anything that costs money. Yeah. So I don't think that anyone hates Spain or Italy. They just hate giving money to these countries. So, I mean, did you guys follow the, the negotiations at all over this? I happen to be in Brussels for this. So. <laughs> Were you feeding uh, Margrethe his raw ostrich uh, No, uh, but we did or... stay in the same hotel. So there was that. Oh, um, really? Yeah, which obviously I did not know this ahead of time. Did you have connecting rooms or... Yeah, I'm just wondering like kind of how you guys sort of perceived the entire debacle. Yeah, because it was kind of a... Uh, debacle. A big, a big debacle. Well, it, it was during the talks. And I think uh, Rutter obviously put up this very kind of um, stubborn oppositional stance. But he, in the end, he got what he wanted or what he needed out of it. Because the thing is, he's got to come out with a deal that he can get past the Dutch parliament. Was right. his first consideration. And the other thing is, because he's got an election coming up next year, he's got to make sure that's not too damaging towards him and his party, and it doesn't uh, fan the flames of the populists who don't want to be in the EU at all, so they're going to scream and shout about anything that uh, involves possibly giving money to, to the Italians and Spaniards. So Rutter kind of played hardball, I think, out of necessity. And in the end, did what what he does and what Dutch politicians do on the whole, which was he, he started from a very entrenched position and then compromised. 
yeah. worked out with a deal where you did get... Isn't, isn't that the definition of negotiating? Yeah, exactly, yeah. to British people, which is the reason that we're not in the EU anymore, you know, compromise is weakness, but in other oh. countries it's kind of, it's just, it's just what you do, it's how you agree when you've got 27 countries all with different interests. I mean, I think that, not that I com- was com- in complete agreement with Ruta's position on this, but... I do think that the Dutch really got slaughtered in the media and in public perception outside of the Netherlands because the finance minister, Wopke Hoekstra, had made some dumb comments a couple of months ago. So people were already primed to be really mad at the Dutch uh, for sort of engaging, being part of this like, quote unquote, frugal five who mostly wanted to put restrictions on how money could be spent. And they wanted things to go as loans instead of grants, basically. And, you know, they just had a more sort of conservative financial kind of position about this. Yeah. And Hoekstra had made this kind of really trash remark about how the EU should be looking into the financial systems of, I think, Italy and Spain, or maybe just one or the other, I don't remember, because they should be able to withstand this. I mean, this was at the height of, like, while Italian hospitals or Spanish hospitals were being completely overrun. And the implication was sort of that, like, if this had happened in the Netherlands, we would be able to handle it financially, which I don't think is really true. I think the Netherlands just got luckier in terms of when the coronavirus got here. But totally, and, yeah. and then, of course, Rutte continued to sort of make some somewhat direct Dutch remarks later during the negotiations. And this continued to just play very poorly, I think, in the Italian and the Spanish press, yeah. because I think what Rutte was doing this typical Dutch directness thing, which, you know, is not the way that it works in other places. And so people were not kind of appreciating his, his kind and of, of course, direct remarks. Things like the Bin Man video, where he'd, yeah. been, he'd been filmed talking to a Bin Man who said to him, are you going to give money to the Italians? And he said, no, no, no. That yeah. became kind of like his calling card. And he did, in the media context, he played on that. You know, he didn't yeah. really do anything to kind of soften that line until they actually st- when they sat down at the negotiation table, obviously he did eventually agree uh, to a grant-based recovery fund, which is actually yeah. quite a fundamental change. So, uh, yeah, he got a bad press. He deserved it. Um, but he did actually ultimately compromise. I think a danger here in the long term is that what's happened was now the Brits have left the EU. The Dutch rulers used to side with the Brits yeah. or hide behind them a bit. But now that they've got to take the lead in being the kind of conservative, um, fiscally responsible um, country, that they, they stand out more for it and they're more in the firing line. But I think if they keep going down this road of not refusing to compromise, but, uh, but, but, but setting up their stall in this way of refusing everything, they're going yeah. to get pushed further and further into the margins and lose influence and, and in a way that the British did over the last There's a very years. good article. I think it was in... Chatham House. I'm actually not 100% sure. I'll see if I can look it up. It's from like four or five years ago, but it's about like why the Dutch are actually Eurosceptics. And it was a pretty good sort of discussion of the history of the EU from the Dutch perspective and like why the Dutch are not always so like enthusiastic about a lot of EU stuff. And yeah, basically what you said, Gordon, that for the last, you know, 10 or 20 years, they basically could hide behind the British and now they can't do that anymore. So there is sort of in this series of questions we got. One of them asked about the like tax dumping thing, uh, which we were actually talking about a bit last night. So, mm. I mean, what do you think, Paul? Like, do do Dutch political parties have an opinion about this? Is this a thing that is at all discussed kind of in a Dutch politics context? So we assume that it is about the uh, letterbox companies, right? So uh, Yeah, and I think the like advantageous tax deals for multinational companies, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and also just the fact that companies in other European countries like Portugal all basically set themselves up for tax purposes in the Netherlands yeah. uh, with the letterbox company. And that means they don't pay tax to the Portuguese yeah. government, and the Portuguese yeah. government doesn't have money to spend on public services. Right. Yeah. And then when a crisis hits, Portugal runs out of money, and the Dutch say it's because you haven't managed your finances properly. Right. I mean, for example, like IKEA, which everyone associates with Sweden, is headquartered in the Netherlands. I mean, Bono, the U2 singer, <laughs> is headquartered in the Netherlands. Like, all of these companies and, and rich people are sort of headquartered, have their companies headquartered here because the corporate tax rates are lower, and that traditionally it's been easy to negotiate with the Dutch government and put in these, like sweetheart tax deals yeah i looked it up looked some information about these uh, sort of tax deals that uh, the netherlands has with companies and i read an article which said that uh, it only is about 37 billion euros that other countries miss because these companies are located and based in here in the netherlands so i think that's not that much to be honest but i mean that's a lot of money for i suspect that spain could have used during all of mm-hmm. this to prop up their you know sort of public health care system that's true but these are companies all over the world so if you take that into account 
account then it isn't that much to be honest i thought it was just a very uh, low amount of money so i assume that it's much more but okay but the political parties are opposed to the netherlands as a tax haven there are a lot of uh, political parties that wrote in their party manifestos that we need to do something about it and actually in the coalition agreement it was agreed that they should do something about letterbox companies i don't know how far they are I was going to say, well, what, what have they actually done? This is the big crunch question. I don't know. <laughs> but at least there was an intention to do something about it. And we've got uh, a whole eight months of coalition left now. So um, they're, <laughs> exactly. they're going to have to get cracking. I mean, so if I recall correctly, because there's been some cases at the Court of Justice over this, most of which actually the countries, because it's not just the Netherlands, actually also Luxembourg and Ireland have had some. There's been a very famous one from, from Apple involving Ireland. And actually... The countries have actually mostly won at the Court of Justice. The court has not sort of bought into the arguments about from the European Commission that these agreements are like constitute state aid, basically, that like it's not that the, the governments are like giving an unfair advantage to companies, um, which you're not supposed to do under EU rules. But countries have basically pivoted away from this because it's just such bad press and they get such like a bad reputation. And the Netherlands, I think, is like third in the world for the most prominent corporate tax haven. So it's like basically like hmm. Bermuda, the Cayman Islands, and the Netherlands. <laughs> the Netherlands. And then it's like <laughs> yeah. Switzerland and Ireland and Luxembourg are all like also in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, because importantly, the Netherlands is not on the EU's list of tax havens. Not? I thought it was. Yeah, because it's in the EU. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it in every way blocks other countries from, from putting it on the list of tax havens. But the Netherlands often um, got a call from the European Commission uh, to say, uh, you should do something about your tax haven status because yeah. we really don't like it. So the Netherlands gets criticized by the EU as well and uh, other countries too. But also internally, I think most political parties want to do something about the uh, tax haven status of, of the Netherlands. Yeah. But yeah, it's easier to say the words than, than actually do it. So yeah. But bringing it back to Giuseppe's question, there wasn't a lot of mention of this, I didn't think, no, in the debate not during, at all. on, on the, not current, at all. the current of funding. It wasn't raised, certainly in the Dutch no. media. And I know it was conscious of the fact that it was it was brought up in the media in other countries uh, that, you know, why are the Dutch behaving like this when they're a tax haven siphoning off our tax dollars? So it caused a lot of bad feeling. Yeah. Addressing things like, you know, Juventus Football Club is based in Amsterdam. Yeah. It's <laughs> that kind of, it's just, it's just madness, really. And the other mad thing is that Dutch media tends to phrase this, phrase this in terms of the North, the rich North giving money to the spendthrift south yeah. when the reality is they're all in the currency zone together and if any country is weakened in that it weakens the whole you know all of the countries in, yeah. in, in the currency union yeah I yeah i think i would what i would say in sort of i guess not defense of the dutch but because of how bad the publicity has been i think in particular because of the apple ireland thing both countries and companies are just not any longer willing to engage in these like sweetheart deals. I mean, what Ireland and Apple went to court over and, and ultimately prevailed and, and won, but they had, they've renegotiated this deal so that it's no longer so lucrative. I mean, the Netherlands also won, I think the Starbucks case, I can't remember one of them this year, but they've already renegotiated this deal so that the Starbucks does not have the same kind of sweetheart tax deal here because it's played out so badly in the press, both in terms of how how the government looks, but also in terms of how the companies look. So, I mean, I think that these things are going away, not really because institutions did something to fix it, but because like it just like looks bad and people don't like that. So, I did a little bit of research because one of the questions was also what the public opinion is yeah. uh, in the Netherlands towards the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. EU recovery fund. And Ein van Daag, they often do a poll among uh, a group of 25,000 people to see what the uh, public opinion is. And I asked this group, do you think cooperation on a European level during the corona crisis is important or not and what you basically see is that one third thinks it is really important one third says it's important but not so much and one third says it's not important at all so that's it's a really interesting to see that there is a really this divide uh, of one third one third one third in the Netherlands mm. and also they asked uh, what do you think about uh, Rutte's position during the negotiations do you think that his stubborn uh, approach was, was good or not and uh, the poll says apparently that one third supported him completely one third supported him uh, largely and one third mm. supported him not at all so 
again, this divide, this equal divide is, is really interesting to see. Yeah. And then they also asked, uh, do you think that the outcome of the negotiations was the best possible outcome for the Netherlands? And 45% agrees with that and 40% disagrees. Yeah. So he has kind of the, the support of a narrow majority, would you say? Yeah. 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 I listened at a different poll to Marister Hunt's uh, poll. The boy. famous Corona conspiracy theorist Marister Hunt. But he does actually in his day job uh, ask some quite interesting questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said you know, he did a poll straight after the EU talks about whether um, people thought that uh, Rutte had uh, pursued the right strategy or whether they supported his strategy. And about half of people thought he'd, he'd done a good job at the talks. Um, and about uh, slightly less than half, four in ten, thought he should have actually been, been harder, taking a harder stance. Ah, okay. And only, only 10% thought he should have been more flexible and more accommodating towards countries like Spain and Italy. So ah, okay, interesting. That, uh, and, and obviously the voters of the uh, FAD and PFV, almost all of them, thought that he should have been he should have been stricter um yeah that's uh, the plus side of marisa holmes polls is that he always breaks them down yeah. in political parties or a support of political parties and this poll didn't uh, so yeah that's uh, that's interesting but yeah it's not a surprise that uh, voters of fat and pvv are opposed to basically anything that comes out of the eu yeah but you can see that we've had the right political antenna here as he often does because he got um, strong support from his his own party the fat and the, and the other coalition parties but he huh. also his stance was quite well supported by um, voters of Foon Links and the PFDR, which okay. are parties he's quite likely, if he's prime minister next time, to, to need to go into coalition with. So yeah. I think that's, uh, that shows he's pretty smart in the context of Dutch domestic politics. Interesting. Um, shall we uh, move on to the next question? Yes. We'll move on to something more exciting to talk about. <laughs> Uh, Marie, Mary, Mari, I don't know uh, how to pronounce her name. She asked, do you have a favorite ugly Belgian house? I think, I mean, it's like trying to pick your favorite kid. They're, they're all the worst. <laughs> they're all the worst. Yeah. All houses in Belgium. Do I have a favorite one? I, mean, I don't think so. There's quite a few that I like, um, but I don't think I could pick a, a singular favorite. There is, of course, this famous Instagram page and, and Twitter uh, profile, tr Twitter account that sort of um, highlights uh, a an ugly Belgian house every day or every week. I don't know uh, exactly how, how often they... There, there's also a book, actually. You there's can buy a, a book yeah, of there's these. Also a book. Yeah. Um, shall we discuss uh, what the difference is between a Belgian house and a Dutch house? The Netherlands has building codes and the Belgians don't. Exactly. That's basically that's basically the difference. So whenever you cross the border from the Netherlands to Belgium, you immediately notice that you are in a different country. Not The, the, the main reason is that uh, you hit an enormous bump and that means that you are in Belgium. But also the, the atmosphere, the houses, the, uh, how, how the public uh, space looks, it's, it just looks completely different than the Netherlands. It's 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 always um, so interesting to see that, yeah. that 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 it's a completely different country. Even though you know there are no physical borders whatsoever, you but but you immediately know that uh, that you are at, at at a place somewhere else. But yeah, Belgians they they love to Belgians build for their own, and the Netherlands build for everyone. So uh, when when a Belgian person builds his house, he builds his dream house, and. Um, and I, meanwhile, I can only paint my window frames one of two approved colors. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's <laughs> the main difference. But yeah, I love to drive around in Belgium and just observe all the houses and all the buildings that, um, uh, that are, uh, uh, standing there. It's, it's always, it's, 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 it's like head bombardment. It's, uh, <laughs> right. It's, it's awful, but it's awful in a good way. It's in, it's awful. I'm really in a sensing fun way. a theme in this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, if you uh, if you need a good laugh, you should follow Ugly Belgian Houses on on Instagram and Twitter. It's quite entertaining. Then the next question is Rainco Lee. Uh, Rainco asks if I were writing a book set in the Netherlands, what snarky comments could be th uh, could the Dutch characters make that would make people living in the country roll on the floor but zoom right over the head of everyone else? Mein mein tweet klopt. Mein tweet klopt. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's maybe a bit uh, <clears throat> a bit too contemporary. In two years' time, everyone have forgotten about it. Uh, I don't know. I saw someone completely unrelated to us making a mein tweet klopt joke on Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh, I, that's still around. It's still a thing. I'm I'm into that. But I do think it's a meme on Twitter. It's not a meme 
as everywhere else. In real else. life. Yeah, it's not no. a thing people say. It's not a catchphrase, is it? No. This is such a good question. I, I should it's have... It's such uh, a good question. I think there's a couple things. Like, I think the patat versus frit oh, debate yes. would be w- yeah. something that you could reference that would make people here laugh and would just kind of be missed. There's a there's a discussion. There's a... I mean, there's there's patat and then there's people who are wrong. Let's be clear here. <laughs> no, 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 no. The other about right. what yeah. you call French fries, what Americans would call French fries in the Netherlands. And it's sort of roughly divided along a geographical distinction. Well, not roughly. Um, there is a hard border. Yeah, there's a hard border. And that, that those um, are the big rivers that uh, yeah. run through the middle of the country. Everything north of that says patat and everything south of that says friet, which friet. is the correct uh, word because Belgians no. invented it and they say it too. I mean, are we really going to defer to Belgians for being correct on this one? Come on. Yes, uh, on the topic of friet, they are right. Some parts of Belgium, they say unfriet, singular. Like, you get one enormous chip. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> let's really, let's let's defer to the Belgians on this stuff. Um, I think the joke about returning their bikes to the Germans is also one that, that Dutch people would find oh. amusing and nobody else would understand. Because this refers to the fact that during the Second World War, the German... Nazis invaded and and had and confiscated, confiscated bikes, bikes yeah. all the yeah, bikes, yeah. all the bikes, and so like there's a lot of references to you know German people and wanting to get their bikes back from them. Yeah, that's like the the the, the standard thing people say when. Um... But yeah, I mean, I think outside of the Netherlands, even in Germany, I don't think that people are familiar with this. Really, no. like I think this is really like a thing that only you know in the in the Netherlands. Yeah, or I I think also the like I think the Dutch being cheap jokes are too like most people know these and make them, but the Dutch like sort of obsession with these weird deals like the like stripper carts and the like zegels and like all these kinds of stuff like i think you could get away with making jokes about that that people outside the country are not going to understand like why someone is irritated with somebody not getting their zegels at the at the albert hein or whatever those would be my i think suggestions paul do you have any yeah, actually, I think yours are uh, pretty good. Thank you. I wish I I uh, I um, I read this uh, this question a little bit earlier, so I could Before. have think, thought think about it. But uh, yeah, I think yours are are, are perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I have I'll take to that. Add. I will take that compliment. That's fine <laughs> with me. Moving on to Kim, who sent us just like an an essay of questions, a manifesto of questions. Also, I thought I think there was a. Uh, she was an, uh, when she wrote these questions, she was annoyed with a couple of things, which she also yeah. Liked she was clearly <laughs> venting some frustrations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, we picked out a couple. Um, I think uh, the first one was: well, Why is it so difficult to find lactose-free milk products in a country which is uh, you know, prides itself on being the land of Zalfel? I mean, I think because it prides itself on yeah. being the land of Zalfel. <laughs> I think so too. I thought that this was interesting. I'm not sure where she says, I think that she lives in Utrecht, which I think is interesting because we don't, I mean, I drink milk, but actually, ironically, my Dutch boyfriend does not. And so we have like a huge selection at our Albert Hein of like dairy free milks and like dairy free yogurts. There's like a lot of dairy free stuff. Maybe this is, I don't know, an, a Delft versus Utrecht thing. I'm not sure. I, I never uh, paid attention to any lactose-free products, so I wouldn't no, know. No, I'm afraid I didn't either. Yeah. I mean, I maybe I think my suggestion would be because she says this is her local Albert Hein, which is not an Albert Hein XL. So I think one thing would be if you go to a bigger Albert Hein, you're probably going to have more options. But I think like the um, we have like an Eco Plaza in Delft, which is like one of these like hippie grocery store chains, but. Around the corner from our house, we have an Odin, which is also a hippie grocery store chain. I'm not sure if this is nationwide. I have seen them in other places. There is like one in The Hague and I've seen one in Rotterdam. I think like those places often have a lot more, yeah, vegan or plant-based kind of options for stuff. I think maybe like the average ex Albert Hein probably is not catering to that demographic because you have these nice like, yeah, sort of hippie grocery stores where you can get these kinds of things. Uh, there's another food-related one, which is uh, about ice cream flavors. Uh, I'm also I... bad at this, so I feel, <laughs> I feel for her the real is, bad. Two ice cream flavors that cannot be found here, and I don't know why, are mint chocolate chip and tiger tiger. The, the mint chocolate chip thing is absolute bullshit and proof that the Netherlands is not a first world country. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... 
I, I'd have to say I don't, I don't miss mint chocolate chip particularly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Dutch don't really seem to love uh, uh, mint in stuff. No. Like, you can get after eights here, but other than that, like, there's not a lot of, like, I mean, the, like, peppermints are fine, but, like, mint in combination, I think the Dutch tend to find kind of strange. What do you think, Paul? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that uh, a mint chocolate combination is such a huge thing in, in, in other parts of the world. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have to say, I have to say, I don't really like that combination, though. So I don't mind that it's not available. But yeah, if you love it, then yeah, then then I'm really sorry for you. <laughs> the Tiger Tiger thing is interesting because this is like orange ice cream with like black licorice in it. So you would think the Dutch would be real into this. It's orange and it has licorice. Um, I suspect like they just have not discovered it as a concept. Um, I, I, but you I, can um, get drop flavored ice cream. So yeah, that is available true. in yeah. places. Yeah. yeah. Although why you'd want to buy that, I don't know. Uh, me neither. No. I'm also not sure about the combination orange and drop. I have to but say. But I don't think the ice cream is orange f- flavored. I think it's oh, just orange colored. colored. Oh, okay. I think so. I think it's hmm. vanilla ice cream, which is orange coloring. I mean, I hate drop, so I've never eaten it, but yeah. Also, the combination vanilla and drop also doesn't uh, uh, no, sound like awful. a good combination too. So I'm I'm not sure about this whole. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just uh, not sure about the whole. You're just dro- a drop purist. Like you just want it. Yeah, in candy I just want form it in candy form, no form nothing way. else. You yeah. just want it in coins and nothing else. Then her next question is that she hates that the Android NOS app. Uh, will not uh, select text. So she has to take a screenshot and use Google Lens. Yeah, it's really annoying. This is extremely annoying. I have a solution for this. Okay. Just go to the, uh, on your phone, uh, Uh, go to the the mobile website of NOS. Because... This is, if you yeah. go to nos.nl on your phone, uh, the, the website will basically look the same as the app uh, with the plus side that you can select the text and automatically from there um, search for the meaning. So, yeah, that's my advice. That's good advice. But, yeah, if someone from the NOS is listening, for the love of God, could you make it so that you could select text? It is really irritating that you can't do that. Yeah, and Mario Attic can also please actually put put your news videos up on some kind of platform like YouTube so that people can add subtitles. Add subtitles. Because that's just nonsense. Yeah, that yeah I also either. find this really irritating. Um, is it me, or does having gestampte moshias on your bread make it look like an open-faced cocaine sandwich? No, uh, it's, totally, not it's not you. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think they... probably tourists. Tourists who arrive and see people eating, you know, prescribed uh, <laughs> mouses will think, "My God, this place is even more, you know, rib liberal and drugs than we realized." Right. <laughs> Just like everyone's eating cocaine sandwiches, baby. <laughs> Um, and why is it so difficult to find decent barbecue sauce? And how comes no one uses it on their burgers? Uh, because Dutch people are bad at barbecuing. Yes, yeah, it's a wider point that Dutch barbecues are just terrible. In, Dutch in, barbecues as a concept are basically a hate crime. <laughs> Please elaborate on that because I have no idea what you mean. What you First mean. of all, you gotta... You have to have a datum pricker and like a spreadsheet to figure out what everybody's going to, when you're going to have your barbecue and what everybody's going to bring. And then everybody brings like enough food for themselves. And then people still ticky each other because you got like, I bought three bags of chips and Paul ate seven chips. So now I have to send him a goddamn ticky. So just the, the organization of the Dutch barbecue is awful. Yeah, but also the barbecue food that's available in the shops. Exactly. Is just an atrocity. Yes, Basically. it's it's a it's a hate crime against chickens, <laughs> I think. Um, and yeah, and Dutch people are just like not great at cooking burgers. Like they're just not good at this. It's just like stop trying to do this. It just doesn't work out well. Stick to freaking all. <laughs> um, but um, I will say that I I can get sweet baby rays, which is my favorite sort of widely commercially available barbecue sauce at my Albert Hein XL. So I think maybe Kim needs to check out like a larger grocery store, make an occasional trip. Also, the Tocos sometimes have a lot of these like products that you can't get, like random American things. They usually have like an international section and there doesn't seem to be any consistency. So like there's like two or three Tocos in Delft. None of them carry the same 
international quote unquote products like what they have in their american section and their british sections i'm saying this with like air quotes um do not seem to be the same thing so it just seems to be like whatever the proprietor of the shop feels like ordering um so you kind of have to like check out a few to figure out who's carrying the stuff that you actually want yeah that's true uh i i there are three or four uh tocos here in in delft and i know exactly where in which toco to get what so whenever i need something i just go there but yeah there's no consistency whatsoever in there uh in 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 what they offer and sometimes it disappears or they do something else so that's sometimes yeah, so you sort of have to like get familiar with your like local tocos but i i mean i think most albert hein xls the like big ones usually carry a lot of this stuff. I mean, I can get most, it didn't used to be like this when I first moved here. You couldn't get some of these products. I don't know if Gordon feels the same way. Like some products, like North American, American products that I was looking for, I couldn't get at the Albert Heim, but that's like shifted over the last five or six years. And now like most things are sort of there. Yeah, I'd say I haven't really been looking for North American well, what about but, but for Britain? Yeah, but what about for British stuff, Gordon? No, again, I don't really know. Something. I generally just shop at local Yimbo, and it's got most of the things I need. It, it, it does. It does bizarre things. I, I noticed after a couple of years that they sold um, they sold ginger snaps, which I hadn't realized you could get here. And all of a sudden, I noticed them on a. I don't know if they if they'd always sold them, or I just hadn't noticed, or whether they've um, that they've introduced them recently. Yeah, things like that. Coleman's mustard as well. So powdered mustard from um, uh, from, from Norwich you can get here. So yeah, um, uh, lots of stuff that I wouldn't expect to be able to get, to be able to get outside the UK is actually available. Gordon's Jumbo has drop and um, and hagelslag, and that's everything he needs. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I eat. That's my diet. Yeah, <laughs> with mustard. With with powdered mustard. I didn't re- actually. I didn't realize that the powdered mustard thing was specifically a British thing until you just said this. Because I also use powdered mustard, and I didn't quite. It's also a thing that you can get sort of widely in America. So, yeah, but it's a thing that I can find at like one of the tocos in town. They carry Coleman's mustard, so you can just get it there. I didn't know uh, powdered mus- mustard was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing that I uh, struggle to find is hot sauce that I want, which I usually just have to have somebody mail to me because the Dutch can't stand spicy food. So there's no like, there's no, <laughs> you, you don't go to a grocery store and get like a whole shelf of hot sauce options. Nope. Only Tabasco. Does that? Uh, f- yeah, Tabasco will do in a pinch. It's like there's nothing else. But I just get like a liter bottle of my favorite hot sauce when I'm somebody make someone mail it to me from the US and it's fine. I hope we hope you uh, enjoy your summer wherever you are. Um, on hopefully not on a campsite in Drenthe because we want uh, we're there for our quiet. For yeah, yeah. So th- th- thank you very much uh, for sponsoring us as our patrons, um, and to to those who are listening uh, when we eventually release it to non-patrons. Uh, this is all going to sound very strange <laughs> because it'll be uh, deep into the autumn. Yeah. But uh, uh, so, so, so for next year, please consider sponsoring us so that you uh, so that you don't get a, a weirdly. Um, uh, chronologically disturbed uh, <laughs> podcast uh, episode. And I think if you have suggestions for what we do for our like Christmas bonus special, please feel free to send them into podcast at dutchnews.nl because we're always looking for creative ideas as to what we can um, what we can do to do some extra uh, special Patreon content for the people who keep this going. That's all that we have for you for this uh, uh, summer special episode. Uh, this podcast is a production of uh, Dutch News. Uh, you can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. Please send in your uh, your requests or your ideas for our um, uh, next uh, special. My thanks to uh, Gordon Derek and uh, Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back September 4th. I wanted to say 5th, but I, I didn't. Thank you.